Welcome to The Unmistakable Marketer. Every week, we interview business leaders, marketers, and authors from around the world. Together, we try to unpack how we create marketing messages that attract attention and separate us from the competition. Our goal is to help you make your marketing unmistakable. In addition to this podcast, listeners get actionable advice on the latest insights in digital marketing from our free email newsletter, which can be found at tomorrow-people.com. That's tomorrow-people.com. Hello and welcome back to The Unmistakable Marketer. I'm your host, Nathan Anibaba. Uh, my guest this week is Gideon Todes. Um, Gideon runs the Copy Course, a creative and coaching consultancy which helps organizations tell their story through creative copy. He works with businesses like The Access Group, KPMG, British Airways. Um, Gideon helps their communications team solve some of their biggest challenges, uh, bringing a tone of voice and narrative to life. So, Gideon, thank you very much for coming on the show. Pleasure. Thank you. Great stuff. So, so Gideon, can you tell our audience a little bit about um, the copy course for those that aren't familiar with the company? Uh, it's a, a syllabus and it's a training organization that uh, typically works with a company's communication level. There'll be, say, 20, 25 people in, in, in say, a £100 million business. And they'll often... You know, be writers that have been working three, four, five, maybe even ten years, and often they've lost a little bit of their pizzazz, or they're just still got lots of their pizzazz, but wondering how to solve the problems that they see in their company. You know, the writing's difficult, right. um, finding a, a way of not sounding boring or whatever is difficult, and I help a classical advertising background discipline to solving those problems. Right. Great stuff. Well, it, it's interesting because we we had a, um, a conversation before we um, we hit record here today, really about differentiation. And um, I guess the first question I wanted I wanted to ask you really is sort of what marketing have you come across that you would consider really sort of unmistakable? Um, I think you had mentioned Tyrrell, uh, uh, some well, other brands, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Tyrrell's crisps. I mean, I was cycling. I was cycling past the bus shelter the other day, and uh, there are two ads, one with, uh, for Tyrrell's crisps, the other for some sort of chewing gum, which I've already forgotten. But Tyrrell's crisps, um, and I've enjoyed their products in the pubs anyway. The product's nice, um, but fundamentally it's, it's a crisp. Um, but mm. the, the posters definitely differentiate themselves mm. uh, in terms of tone. So I found myself taking a picture of this, trying not to get run down while I was doing so, because <laughs> uh, I had to sort of facing onto the road somewhere right. in the Old Street. I took a picture of it for the class I was running the, the next day. And um, it's really a nice piece of uh, typography. It's, uh, it's, uh, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it simply says, um, Tyrrell's best enjoyed the civil side of Sozzled. And there's a picture of Glossa Prosecco, and the typography's a bit squiff. And um, I'm trying to remember the um, the, uh, the strap line um, off by heart. But um, what, what was very clear about this was that somebody actually sat down and thought about the words they were using, the language they were using, sure. and the role they wanted to play. Kind of, it was potentially a really boring message, which is don't don't get pissed when you you know don't don't overdo the alcohol with right. your So it was so it was a, almost a health and safety message. Yet they turned it into something you know quite. Um, Quite, uh, uh, quite, quite unique. They've done it by um, the use of language. They've picked words that we don't normally use. I don't know when the last time you used the word civil. You know, yeah. you, that's perfectly civil of you. Sure. Um, uh, Sozzles we use quite a lot. 
uh, they've used them together, a bit of alliteration going on there. And then their strap line, yeah, it's uh, life's a shindig. I've not used the word shindig for a little bit either. Sure. So they've used these slightly unusual words and created the sense of sort of kind of bohemian, bohemian aristocracy sure. just for a crisp packet. And that's and and it, what comes over is a, a product that has that you know it doesn't take itself too seriously. Mm. Has got a sense of joie de vivre, how to live, and I want to be I want to be with that product. Mm. I want to I want to have it in the pub with me. Mm. And so I was very impressed by that. And the other thing that's particularly interesting about this for me, or for the talk that I was doing the next day, was that it is for a crisp, which is a, a very interesting product uh, in terms of what you and I have been talking about. Um, you know, around the concept of commoditization. You know, every uh, potato chip, the world's cheapest product, the world's highest marked up product. You know, crisps costs, you know, put like 0.3 pence to make for an entire packet, and they retail at whatever it is, one pound eighty. I don't know what they. There's a lot of profit yeah. there, and so you've got this commoditization product that um, that has the fights for intense battles and it can put brands you know out of action like Smith's which went out of business five ten years ago so it's an intensely fought area where there's a lot at stake potentially all about profit and that profit is based on not can you make a better crisp though mm -hmm. Tyrrell's crisps I think are slightly better actually but um, but can you can you create an original tone of voice can you mm. create something that that stands out now when you uh, talk to marketing directors um, and you try and help them with, or I try and help them with whatever problems on their desk, very often they'll say something like, well, you know, we really want to have a, a unique tone of voice. We'd, we'd like, ideally, we'd like to sound like John Lewis or we'd like to sound like, we'd like to be like, so they want to be unique, but at the same time, it's, they're not quite sure who to be unique like. Sure. Um, and so there's an inherent you know, um, conflict there. They want to be unique, but also they want to be like everyone else. Sure. And that's really the big challenge, I think, for uh, people working in this field. How do you, how do you, um, you know, work with commoditized organizations or organizations that products are rapidly becoming commoditized? And how do you find something unique about them? And how do you create that uh, in the in the confines of an organisation that's dedicated to being faster, more efficient, and more commoditized the whole mm. time? Mm. And, that, and that's, if you like, the tone of voice challenge. It's interesting because um, I guess the case study that you highlight about Tyrrells really sort of paints the picture, or, or sort of really talks to your point about commoditization. You know, from the point of view of well, you know, Tyrrells ten or fifteen years ago with that same message may may not have been as uh, you know it. it the, the message may not have been as may not have resonated as much as it does today, simply because there are so many crisps in the market, and it's quite a sort of uh, crowded, commoditized marketplace. So, the way that they've positioned themselves and their tone of voice has really sort of uh, differentiated them within the market. However, sort of ten years ago, that that same message may have fallen on on, on deaf ears. So that leads me to sort of think we almost need commoditization in a way because I guess certain organizations thrive out of um, you know this kind of commoditization this commoditized world that we're in and you know with that you know in that context they're able to sort of differentiate themselves if you can be clever and if you can sort of play on uh, you know or at least have a greater understanding of actually the world and the market that you're operating within. Yes I and mean, it is true that um... Uh, you kind of need a commoditized world to really uh, demand a differentiated tone of voice. Sure. 
Um, it's, it's, in, it's the moments when there is no differentiation in the product that the tone of voice becomes particularly important. Um, if we're in, in markets where there's a very strong product with a very strong product difference, um, the tone of voice becomes less important. Um, and to some extent, it, it, it can arise naturally out of the product difference anyway. But, but um, once products become very, very similar, small differences like tone of voice, and after all, if you think about tone of voice, you need a good quality of standard of English to appreciate it. You know, you need you need to have a sophistication for for somebody to look at that Tyrrell's ad and say, "Best enjoyed the civil side of Sozzled." If English is your second language, you may not get the nuances of that. You may not be able to say, you know, "Oh, I understand what sort of person that tone of voice is." So, you, you yeah, a tone of voice does require a, a sophistication around language, and it's if you like, you know, higher up that. Uh, that Maslow hierarchy of needs. First, the product has to work. Then it has to be affordable. Then it has to, then you know, and if all of those are in place, and and lots of other products are fighting the same space, you differentiate yourself with something like a tone of voice. Yeah. And uh, and it and it's hard to do. I mean, you find that um, most companies can't do it. They uh, they they look at Apple. They look at John Lewis, and they think, how do they do it? Yeah. And um, and. They very often can't emulate that. They can't emulate it because they don't have the quality of writers. And even when they do have the quality of writers, they don't have the quality of vision, the sheer guts to say, well, you know, we are going to say uh, that ours belongs with a glass of wine. You know, we're going to use words like sozzled. We're going to use the word civil in that sort of way. We're going to have the daring to use language in, a, in an original way to, to play an original role in people's lives. And that all takes daring. It takes chutzpah. And uh, it requires a sort of energy that's away from the product focus, mm. which is where a lot of companies focus their resources. You know, we want, you know, we want them to be the best at, you know, our, our offer here or the cheapest or this or that. Tenable's mm. often deals in a different place. It's mm. not about price and it's not about, you know, um, the, the number of, um, uh, you know, clicks per, per whatever. It's it's a something outside any metric or attribute. It's very difficult to stick metrics on it. And, and that's another reason why companies find it difficult to work with. Great. It, it's interesting that you um, mentioned Maslow's hierarchy because I think that's something that we're seeing in, in many industries at the moment. You know, sort of a lot of organizations are competing on the kind of feature and, and, and benefit basis. Really servicing the the base level of the of the pyramid so price quality service etc where everyone is pretty much doing is you know to varying degrees a, a similar job i guess where organizations are, are failing is sort of the the top end of the pyramid which is where really where you get involved with um with brands from a tonality perspective is that is that the main challenge that you're seeing with a lot of your your clients then um, you know this this idea that, you, that they're trying to make their product better, and actually what they need to be doing is actually making their product different. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot in, in what you said. That I mean, every company's trying to make its product better, right? Um, but there comes a point when if you're busy making your product better, and 15 other people are busy making their product better. Then, when it comes to talking to the client, you say, "Well, our product's better," and they sort of glaze over because they've heard fourteen other people sure. who've also made their product better. Sure. So the whole concept of better suddenly becomes less interesting. Mm. And very often, the person who's 
who's now buying your product because it's so commoditized um, isn't the top person anyway. It's somebody who's you know some kind of somewhere middle of the organization. And actually, it's better enough for them. They're not going to get that excited. It's better enough. They they want to they want to have it good enough, and then they can go home. And so in that in that kind of environment, when everybody's better, what do you do next? Sure. When everybody's better, you have to be different. And um, and that's when tone of voice really comes in because when you've invented, uh, you know, you've made you made the product as good as it can be. Mm. Um, uh, it's time to try a different way to uh, approach people. And that's saying, actually, our product's just fine. You know, if you you know, it, it, it paints your nails, it makes your lips glossy, it does whatever, whatever. And um, but actually, we're going to we're going to relate to you in a different way from everyone mm. else. So why everyone else? Um, is offering you the same thing as we are, and we make not many bones about it. We're we're gonna we're gonna relate to you in a different way, and that itself becomes part of the offer. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I remember seeing Benefit come out, and it seemed quite a radical departure in sort of positioning terms from uh, what were a lot a lot of those those women's um, uh, you know makeup stuff. Again, high margin, high commoditization. There's a lot of markup in, in those uh, uh, you know makeup. Uh, uh, series presumably, but Benefit came along and said, not because you're worth it, because because girl, you like to have fun, sure, and uh, because we're kind of we're going to be just we're going to take ourselves less seriously, and we're going to play a different role rather than being you know worshiping the the god of beauty. We're just going to you know have a laugh and think of ourselves more like virgin you know a virgin tonality. So right. by creating a new role in women's lives, they were able to completely hijack the market. And uh, I watched a whole bunch of, you know, 18, 19 year olds, 17, 18, 19 year olds to start using this product um, and completely rule out the sort of the, the guys who've been there for a long time, the the Rimmels and the um, you know Elizabeth Arden. Yeah. Who in her day was once a great tone of voice. She was in her day, she was a a woman who had all sorts of great advice for women and how to Work with makeup and stuff like that. So she was a tone of voice, and she helped her brand reach, you know, world recognition. But once it stayed in that place and didn't move on, um, it, uh, it it fell victim to the commoditization process we're talking about, and left space for somebody else to to, to differentiate themselves. Yeah. So I think that's the theme that we seem to be coming back to: is this 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 cycle between the commoditization of things yeah. and then their individualization. And I think you can see it um, also very clearly in the airline industry. People, people, you know, for a long time, everything was the world's favorite airline, and you'd see, um, you know, Lufthansa, that whole generation of airlines that were busy, you know, offering great service, but at a price. Then came along EasyJet and Ryanair, and suddenly a whole new, um, unique form of airline came. You know, EasyJet was very unique in its day, but now it's commoditized. Everything's a, everybody's a. A, a bargain basement uh, thing, and then Ryanair took it to its natural extreme, and then with that recommoditization at a lower price level, what happens is people actually start to wanting a brand again. So they start thinking, well, hang about, if I'm choosing all on price, actually, and my holiday depends on it, and if it goes wrong, I'd like to know where who to who to speak to. I want to talk to a human being. I want to a, a, a company that's got some kind of face about it, mm. and and some something that, that that it counts as individual. And so, out of that commoditized bracket of a whole bunch of budget airlines, 
um, there is then a space for somebody to 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 create something more unique. And I think we're we're, we're watching we're watching that sort of happen as you know the Ryanairs, which have just done it on price, just done it on on a sort of negative tone of voice, if you like, um, get really hammered as as um, as brand is once again emerging at that lower price level. That's really interesting. It, it'd be interesting to sort of see what your um, competitive landscape looks like. I, I don't know sort of what it's like for you as a uh, as a consultant and, and a trainer. I, I would imagine it's a relatively competitive market space. Um, could you just talk to, you know, sort of how you differentiate uh, from the other trainers and, and, and consultants that you come up against in competitive situations? What do you do to raise your, your uh, profile with prospects and customers? Um. Well, there are a couple of questions there. I mean, how, how do I differentiate? I, I, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people working on tone of voice out there. Very often, they just help tone of voice in the sense of um, not making it, un, you know, egregiously boring or you know, waffly. And that, to some extent, is a tone. It is a tone that it, is a tone at the basic level. It's you know, relatively taught copy. Um, and since it's got some attention to it, it's got some. But I think there's an awful lot of copy that sounds a lot, you know, like an awful lot of other copy. And and uh, there are a lot of trainers training for that kind of copy. And it was sort of first done by Interbrand and I think John uh, Simmons at Interbrand. And a lot of people have copied it, so it's become itself rather commoditized. So what I'm interested in doing is um, helping companies not just write tighter, shorter copy. Table stakes for a copywriter, but it's actually producing something that's quite different. That is that, just like when when marketing directors say, uh, "I'd like to be like Apple," or "I'd like to be," would they ever say they want to be like you know this new brand? Would, would can you create a brand that somebody else wants to be like? Right. It's actually got a different distinct tone of voice, and that's a harder challenge. Uh, and the way I go about that. Um, Giving you my trade secrets here is is to start by um, you know thinking of a particular actor or character that you can really visualize in terms of their their role in the world and their language and their sound and um, work backwards from that. Can you write text that would go into that person's mouth? Sure. Can you make that text relevant for the company? Um, and um, if you can really think. Uh, in a really focused way, uh, and, and um, about who you'd like to be your spokesman. You know, if you could pay pay a million dollars to have anybody as your spokesman, from David Attenborough to um, maybe some somebody from Ad Fab or um, John Thor from you know uh, uh, Inspector Morse, or right. you know, start backwards with somebody with a very distinctive attitude and role right. and tone of voice. Right. And you can you synthesize a whole. Um, language basis uh, and the pictorial one, which is that's best understood how to do a pictorial one. So graphic design has been doing that for quite a long time now. But can you do it at a verbal level um, and and really create a, a a a platform so that when people click around your website, they actually hear somebody talking to them or hear somebody distinct talking to them. Hmm. Very few people have done it. Uh, Virgin does it very well. They've got cheeky, you know, um, and and they've built a massive mega brand on that really. Um, but very few companies actually can do that, and um, and that's what I help help them with. Um, 
I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying we get there quickly. It's itself a, a slower process than you might think, but it's also more fun, and you learn lots on the way. But it's you know, can you get a group of twenty you know writers in the comms team to really um, one exercise I give them, for example, is just imagine you're creating a brand of bottled water for your company, you know, um, and uh, could you could you make it sound a unique bottle of water? Could it be, you know, if you like, we talked about Tyrrells, could it be like Tyrrells in sound, or could it be really rough as old nails? Could mm. it? Could you use language and still talk about the bottle of water uh, such that you've got an original something that that you can actually smell and feel, just like sure. a look and feel? Sure. Um, and we do it in a way that's a little bit like when you go around IKEA and you look at different kitchens, you see, you know, that's the Norwegian oak design, or that's the sort of traditional Victorian one, or that's you see different kitchens with different looks and feels. And can you write bits of copy that have different, you know, sounds and feels? And that's the challenge I, I give them, and we work on that sort of basis together. That's great. Well, well, thank you very much for your time, Gideon. I, I think there's a lot there from our audience to uh, to pick from and, and to get a lot of value from. So I do appreciate appreciate you coming on the show and sharing right. some of your advice and expertise. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, that's all for this week's show, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in. Next week, we'll we will be back with uh, another interview from HubSpot from. Uh, De- Dermot, uh, and we'll be getting his views on differentiation in sales and marketing. So stay tuned for that episode. Thank you very much for your time. See you soon. Bye bye.